we feel better when we eat better and nothing motivates you more than feeling better. So welcome everyone to this edition of Finding Your Range with your host, Jeannie Debon. And I'm really delighted today to welcome our guest, who is a registered dietitian, uh, Bonnie Nassar. And um, I'm going to read her bio in a moment. Um, I'm in a different studio today, so it looks a little bit different in today's podcast. And I'm just going to apologize in advance that there might be some other noises going on because we have some workmen um, in the vicinity. So I do apologize, but hopefully the sound quality will not be impacted too much. So please bear with us because this is a really, really interesting podcast. You're not going to want to miss this one because it's all about nutrition. So let's introduce our guest, Bonnie. So Bonnie is an EDS and POTS warrior. She is also a registered dietitian with a virtual private practice specializing in chronic pain conditions. She has researched evidence-based dietary practices to help people feel better without giving up the foods they enjoy. She is the author of the 30-minute fibromyalgia cookbook, which is full of quick and easy nutritious recipes. She lives in New Jersey with her husband and four children. Welcome, Bonnie. I'm absolutely delighted to have you here, and I'm really interested um, in hearing what you have to share with us today. So thank you for coming. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I think you've got so much um, knowledge that you can share with our listeners. They're going to they're gonna love this. So before we get into what you do now, could you tell us a little bit about your personal journey, how you knew that you had maybe EDS or something wasn't quite right? Yeah. So basically what um, happened was, you know, obviously when I look back, there were signs as, you know, a child um, and teens and early 20s, but nothing that, you know, made anyone in my family think, you know, it wasn't typical stuff. Um, you know, and I think as we age and we maybe start to stop exercising once you have a few kids, which is what yeah. happened to me, things sort of started sliding. You know, I would say like, my third child, I tore my rotator cuff while breastfeeding him. Wow. That's, that's not normal. No, I think the doctor maybe should have noticed that there was a red flag there, but unfortunately did not. Um, so that was like my first thing that like, really like, what's wrong with me? Why would I do that? Mm -hmm. um, and then things kind of progressed towards like a chronic pain situation where one day I said to myself, you know what? I don't remember the last time I wasn't in pain. And I was like, you know, in my thirties and, you know, always had been a pain-free person. And now all of a sudden I can't remember the last yeah. time I wasn't in pain. So um, I was looking for answers, but couldn't find any. And I actually, my husband and I went on a little mini vacation and he's like, oh, get a massage. And they did. And I went to this massage therapist and she said, you know, you should look into something called myofascial release. I think it would help you when you go home. So mm -hmm. I went home, I found a myofascial release therapist. I went and when she worked on me, she says, your collagen does not behave the way a normal person's collagen would. Um, and you need to look into that. Wow. And I went home and I Googled yeah. and I found EDS. And I was like, oh my God, that's me. That's me. I know it's me, but if that's really me, I want to make sure of it. So yes. I looked up who's the expert in, in America. I yes. found Dr. Frank Amano who's uh, in yes. Maryland, Amazing. which is a short, short trip from me. It's yep. about a year wait to get into her. And she diagnosed me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So how old were you then at that age? At that age? About 36 years old. So 36. I had at the time, I had four kids um, and you know, it was kind of hard just to keep up and do everything that mm. needed to get done for these children that needed me. And, yeah. you know, two of my kids have mastocytosis. So that was a lot of work for me. And as a matter of fact, when I got the EDS diagnosis, it was their doctor that said to me, oh, you realize that's all related, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> so that kind of um, led me down that rabbit hole of figuring out that, you know, I had always had POTS my whole life, but yes. never officially diagnosed you know, but I always knew I had a blood pressure issue, right. um, but it was right. kind of swept to the side. My dad was a rheumatologist, so okay. he was always like, you know, you're not dead, you're fine, you know. <laughs> you're breathing, so you're fine. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, wow. Goodness. And so, yeah, you have a very busy life with four children now. And um, what advice would you give to people? So it sounds like that, and very similar to many people I see, that your issues started after pregnancy. And we, we hear that a lot. Um, like yeah. really escalated after your second child. Um, yeah. Um, what advice would you give to people who maybe can relate to your story, you know, who've just had children and noticing things? So I think what's like, what's so important is what you do, <laughs> which is keep that core strong, keep your body strong. It's like, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself, I don't care how tired you are from these babies. You need to do that exercise every day. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, I was always a generally fit person and I always exercise. And again, you know, once you have kids, it's true, you don't even want to get to the gym. How are you going to get everybody ready and out the yeah. door? I mean, yeah. I did it with two kids. The third kid kind of put me over the edge and my kids are pretty close in age. So um, I, I would love to go back and tell myself, spend that money on the babysitter, do what you have to do, keep that exercise going. Cause once you lose it, it truly is that much more difficult to get it back. It's not yeah. impossible, but yeah. you have to continue with these strength training and, and, you know, proprioceptive yeah. exercises. Yeah. That's really, really good advice. And like you, you know, when I had my mm -hmm. second child, I had no idea about any of this and um, I didn't look after myself at all. Um, things just escalated and they got really out of hand. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. having nothing to do with EDS, but I feel like my mentality was your children come first. Yes. And now in my forties, I can say mommy comes first because if mommy isn't healthy, you can't take care of those kids. Yes, so, exactly. you know, I, I think I learned that the hard way and I, I wish I could have gone back in time yeah. and told myself to take care of myself yeah. before the kids. I know, but we don't, do we? You know, <laughs> when I, I had two small children, you know, a baby and a two-year-old, and you're running around after them all day. You just don't look after yourself. I wasn't eating properly, um, right? Which is what we're going to come on to. And um, you know, before I knew it, I was in severe chronic pain. But yeah, so yeah, really, really good advice. So um, obviously, now you're a dietitian when did you decide were you already in this field or did yeah okay so you how so, long have you been a dietitian so I, I got my bachelor's degree in nutrition and then I did in nutrition dietetics and I did my in my dietetic internship at the yep. time when I graduated I really worked in like um uh, long-term care you know working with the elderly population for the most yep. part um yep. you know and I would say I had a very different perspective, you know, back then on, you know, what nutrition is and what it means to be healthy. Um, you know, I guess I was more naive of a dietitian, I would say. Um, when I had my children, I wasn't really working, you know, maybe off and on. I worked a little bit, but I didn't work steadily while they were little. Um, and then I came to start working again, uh, really after I healed myself and helped myself to have an improved quality of life day to day, that was yes. when I finally felt strong enough to work again, which was, you know, maybe about like four or five years ago. Okay. So your symptoms, had they, had they progressed quite badly through after your children that you stopped? Working? Yeah. So by my fourth kid, and again, I was not diagnosed when I had yeah. all four of my children. Um, right. But once I had my fourth kid, you know, that was when things, I guess, really went downhill for me physically. So I wasn't feeling well. I had the brain fog. I had the fatigue. Um, I had the chronic pain mm. and I couldn't get myself out of it. And, yeah. um, you know, so then, you know, uh, several years ago, I finally said to myself, you know, look, I'm a vegetarian. I know I eat healthy enough, but I had done blood work and I had seen, you know, and Dr. Frank Amano always talks about certain vitamin deficiencies that we have. Um, yes. And I came to realize that, you know, we all know now that the gut is very important to the brain health. Um, you know, they're so intertwined. And, um, you know, I sort of started to look at nutrition rather than just like preventative measures mm -hmm. also as healing measures. Um, yes. I don't necessarily believe that any one treatment modality will cure anything. I believe it is a concerted effort amongst all. So the exercise that you do, the nutrition that I do, the medications that the doctors give, you know, yeah. and the massage therapy, all of these things together can make a significant impact on our lives. Um, yes. You know, I, I, I think it's so important to understand that 
to keep us feeling well, it's almost like a full-time job. Yeah. Um, and we do have to keep in mind all of these different treatment modalities. Um, one of them isn't going to be a cure-all, but if this one helps 10%, this one helps 20%, this yeah. one helps 15%, you're going to end up with a significant amount of pain reduction. And that's always yeah. the goal here. Absolutely. So um, I started doing some research. You know, I said, look, I know I'm a vegetarian. I know I personally, you know, have beliefs that make me a vegetarian, but what else is out there diet wise? What can I do? And when mm. I looked at the research, there was, um, you know, I signed up for like, you know, National Library of Medicine alerts. So alerts yeah. for different um, research articles that would, you know, be related to chronic pain. And yeah. there was this journal article about, um, it was in rats, but it was about rats and chronic pain and um, actually being in a ketogenic state of a diet and how it helped them and um, how the rats did not perceive the pain. And, you know, the way they had set it up was, you know, they knew for a fact that, um, you know, it was definitely uh, a reduction in pain and had nothing to do with anything else. So, mm -hmm. you know, I said, huh, that's interesting. Can I try that? Okay, you know, I'm up for yeah. anything at this point because nothing's working. So I did that. And, yeah. you know, what I found was, you know, the brain fog is reduced. The, um, you know, the, the, the chronic pain was, was lower. My energy level was up. So I was actually able to do some exercise, exercise and be yeah. able to plan the day so that I was doing things that were going to promote me feeling better. So it's kind yeah. of like a little bit of like a, you need that extra push and that extra ability to have that energy to be yes. able to make your life better. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm not saying that a ketogenic diet is for everyone. And throughout my private practice, I've seen that there are different levels of reducing, you know, it's, it's not, that was the tipping point for me was finding that journal article, mm. but everyone is an individual. And yeah. I truly do believe everyone has a different threshold. Um, my personal theory is that it does have to do with insulin levels. So it's not necessarily that a person needs to be in a ketogenic state um, where you're burning fat for energy rather than carbohydrates, but there needs to be more of a sustained level of not increasing that blood sugar and not increasing that insulin level um, in order to keep us with increased energy and, um, you know, just mm. being able to feel better. Um, I'm a very scientific person. So I do with every patient that I see, I do do a symptom checklist, an extensive symptom checklist before we start working together. And then towards the end, and I can tell you that people at least reduce their symptoms in half. And it's truly amazing to see. I'm like, wow. you know, I, I love the work that I do because we can actually measure it and yeah. people feel better. And I think, you know, leaving this world, helping people feeling better is is my goal. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And just for our listeners who might not know a lot about nutrition, what is um, the diet that you're talking about, the keto, ketogenic diet? What does that involve? Okay. So, you know, the ketogenic diet it was actually created for um, about a hundred years ago for people who had uncontrolled epilepsy. Um, and what they found, and again, it's a hundred years later, they still don't know how it works. They don't know. Mm -hmm. But what they do know is people significantly reduce their, um, you know, epileptic events um, when medicine won't even control it. So they know it affects the brain. They don't mm -hmm. exactly know the mechanism of how. Um, yeah. Now, when we burn fat for energy, so a ketogenic diet means that you are, instead of burning carbohydrates or glucose for energy, you are burning fat for energy. When we do that, um, and there's, you know, without getting, I guess, into too much science, but the Krebs cycle is the cycle that produces, you know, the energy in our bodies. So we need ATP, that's the energy. There are different ways to make it. If you yeah. start out with glucose in the brain, at least, so we're talking, like, you know, I want to talk specifically about the brain and the brain fog, because that's what's yes. important to me. Um, yeah. It starts out further up on the cycle. You have to do many more steps in order to utilize glucose in the brain for energy than utilizing fat. Fat kind of comes in towards the end of the cycle, and it's actually a little bit easier for the body to utilize it. Okay. So what's going on with us? Is there an issue in the brain that the brain with the brain fog? And we do know from some Alzheimer's research that it is 
quite possibly that um, you know the brain stops utilizing energy well and kind of needs help doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of research going on right now and specifically with the Alzheimer's patients. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so the ketogenic diet will make it such that you are using the fat for energy to make energy, you know, rather than using the glucose. And for some people, that just works better. Um, what I found in my practice, though, that was kind of the jumping off point. But what yes. I found with my patients is we, I don't ever want to put anyone in more pain than they're already in. And we do know that a drastic diet change is never a good thing with EDS yeah. patients. Never. Yes. You never want to do a drastic diet change. So right. I start off patients with like just a lower carbohydrate diet, getting rid of, you know, the things that are going to produce a high insulin spike. So really like a lower glycemic index diet, meaning a diet that's yeah. not going to raise the insulin and raise the blood glucose levels. Yes. Um, Everyone is different. Some people can stick with that lower carb diet and they feel amazing. Some people need to go a little bit lower to feel better. Um, so it's um, very individualized. Yeah. There's also a big vitamin component as well, because you know we do know that we're gonna be deficient in certain things. A lot of us are deficient in D, in C, uh, you know, could be iron, could be B12. Yeah. So, you know, all of those things as well need to be addressed because they're so important for energy production and collagen production. Yeah. Wow. This is fascinating. And so the, I saw that you did a webinar um, on, on the brain, brain fog, fatigue and pain. So is this yes. in part from, this is all from your research. So you yes. helped, you basically helped people deal with those three big elements that often come. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. So what are, so is it just looking at those individual diets and really tailoring it to people? And you've seen that significant change in these, in these three areas, brain fog, fatigue, and pain. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really trying to um, figure out a way to do like a, a you know, working one-on-one, -on -one, obviously, you know, unfortunately insurance yeah. does not cover that. Um, so I'm really trying to figure out a way that I can, um, do sort of like more of a, an online course where people can do a self-study with nutrition and EDS yeah. and, kind of, you know, try to make it really, really low cost um, yes. so that the people who can't afford one-on-one -on -one counseling, but I'm finding it to be incredibly hard to get points across in it because, um, it is so individual. A lot of us yeah. have other conditions. So we have the POTS, we might have the mast cell issues. Um, yeah. You know, there could be other autoimmune things going on. So it is an incredibly individualized, um, yeah. you know, nutrition uh, modality. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm struggling with it, but I am pushing forward to try and get that out to people so that we can have a very low cost option, yeah. you know, at least on improving our diets enough to help somewhat Absolutely. without the one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Oh, that would be amazing. I think there'd be a lot of people interested in that. And, you know, even the slightest change is going to help, I think. Um, yeah. Like you say, we shouldn't go for these drastic changes all in one go. But even if right. we start to do little things, you know, I talk about it in my movement therapy that it's about finding our baseline. You know, what's that level that we can work at where we're not going to cause a flare-up and you know, big issues in the body. I think with, with a condition like EDS, it has to be a very gradual change. Whatever it is we're doing, nutrition, exercise, medication, that seems to be, we seem to be very highly sensitive to yes. change. Change. And I, you know, I've done that to myself where, you mm. know, I'm like, I know, but my arms are weak and I'm just going to work them yeah. out. And then you suffer with tendonitis after and it's not yeah. worth it. Yeah. Um, so I think I've learned the hard way <laughs> with the exercises yeah. and that's why I'm so happy to have found you and, and oh. your program because it's amazing. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. But yeah, like you, you know, we've probably all gone, it, gone through the hard way, you know, I've made all those mistakes as well. So now I'm sharing that with others so we don't continue to make those exercise mistakes. Um, what I'm, I'm really interested in your thoughts on what you would like to see changed in how a condition like EDS is managed, you know, should nutrition be more of a part of that management plan or is it already? I mean, I, do, I don't think it is given enough attention. 
So what do you think could really help in the management of our condition? So, you know, I think a big issue is that there's, you know, we go to a geneticist to get diagnosed, but then you, they don't really treat it. So then you kind of have to go over to like pain management, but you know, pain management is kind of set on like injections and, and medications and, yeah. you know, no one really does talk about nutrition. The EDS website doesn't talk about nutrition. Um, you know, we are trying to change that. I am part of, um, you know, the, the um, EDS um, International Consortium um, Health Professionals, right. and um, we are trying to, you know, work on that. So, yeah. um, you know, be the change you want to see. I'm doing it. Abs I'm trying. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I do, I, I do feel that they always, you know, any EDS conference I've ever been to, I'm like, but where's the nutrition? Like, can we address nutrition? And I have brought that up, um, you know, but I also understand why they don't address it and why don't they address it? We don't have studies. We don't have um, studies on EDS and nutrition. Mm. Um, unfortunately though, you know, the way things go, it's difficult. Nobody, number one, financially, you know, it's not, there's no reason to study nutrition in EDS. It's not going to be, you know, um, lucrative for a drug company or, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're yeah. not a large enough group even for them yes. to want to study. I mean, the one thing I'll say is that we are getting a little more attention with, you know, COVID and POTS and, you know, brain fog. You're hearing a lot of brain fog in the, you know, post-COVID yes. COVID, um, situations. So, I, I, you know, of course I would never wish that on anyone, but it might bring to light a little more into like, you know, the general public about the idea of suffering from brain fog and suffering from fatigue um, and POTS and dysautonomia yes. that might, that might bring us some research actually. Yeah. Yeah. There's this big, um, well, thoughts coming out about vitamin D, isn't there? Um, deficiency yes. and COVID. Um, yes. So yeah, vitamin D is so important for yes. your immune system to function. Yeah. Uh, so that's one, the one thing that we do know is the people who get very sick tend to have lower vitamin D levels. So it is absolutely important to get your vitamin D level checked. If it is low, you have to raise it. Um, you know, and again, I can tell you from my own personal self, I have difficulty raising my vitamin D level, even with supplementation. Um, everyone is different. Everyone's yeah. ability to absorb is different. If you have a leaky gut, if you have SIBO, if you have, you know, um, any kind of like GI issues, you know, it's possible that you're going to have decreased ability to absorb vitamins and minerals. Yeah. And that's something that absolutely needs to be worked on, um, you know, before being able to raise those levels. There's also sublingual vitamins where you, you know, either it's a liquid that you squirt or a tablet yeah. that you put under your tongue. Yes. Sometimes that's the route that people need to go in order to raise mm. their vitamin levels. Sometimes it's an injection or an infusion, yeah. um, but it's important. You know, I think a lot of times we'll get blood work and we'll see we're low and the doctor <laughs> will say, take a pill. Well, for us, that doesn't always work. And we need to be aware of rechecking that level to see if it worked. And if it did yes. not work, recheck it again, try a different route, try a different method. Yeah, yeah, very important. Um, and we talked a little bit earlier, but how is nutrition seen by conventional medicine for the treatment of EDS and fibromyalgia? Because I know you have an interest in fibromyalgia as well. How do they, you know, look at it for us? So I think they kind of don't, they just mm. don't. Um, it's, you know, it's overlooked for sure. Um, you know, but what we do know is that the gut is very connected to every other system in the body. And um, if we're eating in a way that, you know, is, is first of all gonna reduce our ability to absorb um, nutrients, that's gonna affect everything from energy production, you know, and, you know, that just snowballs to all yeah. of our issues. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I do really feel that, you know, and again, more research is coming out about this whole like subclinical, you know, insulin resistance or, um, you know, the body's inability to use the glucose fully as a source of energy. Um, yes. And that can kind of be a vicious cycle because then what happens is you're um, craving energy and you're going to crave that, you know, people who have those like sugar cravings, yeah. it's a vicious cycle. 
um, because the yeah. glucose will rise, the blood sugar, you know, will, you know, will decrease the blood sugar, you know, finally when the body makes enough of the insulin to grab it, but then it might grab too much and then your blood sugar is low and then your body's going to tell you to eat more carbohydrates because we need more fast. And, yeah. you know, what I see in my patients is that, you know, we get rid of that cycle and it changes everything. Yes, absolutely. Gosh, can totally relate to that. When you get rid of that, those cravings and those sugar cravings, everything seems to stabilize. Um, yes. You know, um, I have mast cell um, activation as well. And so mm -hmm. I, I've been on a mast cell diet, the low histamine diet. And I know you have a whole section on your website about um, mast cells and histamine diets. But, um, you know, changing that and cutting out. Well, on top of that, I also have SIBO. So, which I've now yes. got under control. So oh, my good. diet, yeah, yes, thankfully. Um, but obviously your diet becomes quite restricted, but not eating sugars helped so, so much um, in managing both of those conditions. Um, so yeah, really, really interesting. You've got such a wide range. Your website is really interesting. I highly recommend people go and look at it because you've got so many different areas that you can treat people and help people with. Because um, tell us about your cookbook that you wrote on um, oh. the fibromyalgia. But I guess yeah, that's, so you know, it, that's for a chronic pain conditions, right? I guess it's an anti-inflammatory type. Yes, but, it's yeah. basically anti-inflammatory, low, mm. again, I, I hate to use labels, you know? Um, so I, it's really just like a lower glycemic index diet, um, yeah. meaning it's not going to spike your blood sugar. Um, and I, I really, you know, staying away from refined sugars or even, you know, using high amounts of natural sugars, because those will also raise your blood sugar yes. as well. Um, yeah. You know, so really just, you know, keeping things nutrient dense, um, meaning using vegetables and fruits and, you know, whole grains that are going to give you the vitamins that your body is looking for um, yes. and needs in order to sustain itself um, while staying away. So with fibromyalgia, though, it's a little bit of a different patient population. Uh, some people can have fibromyalgia and have an EDS diagnosis as yeah. well, though. But yes. um, in, you know, for fibromyalgia, we try to stay away from the nightshades, which not pe people with EDS don't necessarily have to stay away from mm. nightshades. And also something to point out about that, and especially even with mast cells, you know, and even myself having two children with mastocytosis. So the low histamine diet, you know, or any elimination diet is really a jumping off point. It does not necessarily mean that you won't be able to um, have every single food on that list. What it does mean is that these are foods that might cause an issue for most people. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that you eliminate all of them and never add them back. Yes. Um, you know, you can eliminate the foods on that list that you know bother you. Um, and then if there's a food you're not sure about, as long as there's no anaphylaxis going on, that's a food that, again, if you want to work with a dietitian or work with a physician, you can work to, um, you know, try those foods. But what's really important is to try a new food without using anything else new um, within the three-day period. So you can actually check and see if that food is bothering you or is not. Okay. Um, and again, even like, especially for people with mast cell issues, um, I can tell you like my son, he can't have tomatoes too often. He yeah. can have them sometimes, but yes. if he goes overboard, he knows it, he suffers. And yeah. that's when he's like, oh, mom, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have eaten that. And people think it's like a black and white situation. It's not black and white. Yeah. It's what's your level in terms of like, how close are you to having a, a, a reaction today? Yes. If you're doing really well, maybe you can have a slice of pizza and the tomatoes aren't going to bother you. Yeah. But yeah. if you know, you know, the weather's off and you just having low energy and you can kind of feel it. And then you have the tomatoes that's going to put you over the edge. The cup will run over the mast cells will release and it will be problematic for you. Yeah. Um, so I find that there's like, you know, a lot of patients think it's like a black and white. It's so much of an area yeah. of gray. It's not like a yes. real food allergy, an IgE food allergy, which is that will cause a reaction every single time. Okay. This is more nuanced. Right. It's not 
as easy to like, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, but I saw you eat that and you're fine with it. And it's like, well, I was fine with it that day. Yeah. And no one yeah. really like that makes you look like, you know, you're lying sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's the usual thing, isn't it? For us, you know, if we, it's the same thing when people say, well, you look well, you look healthy. Yes. What's wrong yes. with you? You know, yeah. but you're, you're so right. I remember my consultant um, who diagnosed my Marcel saying to me, you know, you can eat once you've got things under control you can eat tomato occasionally but if you go on a tomato fest he called it if you go on a tomato fest and you eat tomatoes every single day you're probably going to know about it and you know yeah I don't, I don't recommend you doing that but you can have the odd tomato and I do now and it's fine yeah. but if I absolutely if, if I went and had tomato soup every single day for a week, I probably wouldn't feel very nice. Right. Um, but yeah, again, it, I think it comes back to this finding your baseline, doesn't it? What's that yes. baseline? And can I slowly introduce those foods again? I think that's a really important point because I for sure certainly thought, oh my God, this is my diet for the rest of my life. But it's not true. It's really right. true. So yeah, thank you. for. And also like, I do also like to point out that, well, first of all, you know, again, I have two kids with this, right? So even in my two kids who literally share, you know, genetic material, they have different um, intolerances. So like my daughter can't eat raw spinach. My son can, she can eat tomatoes. He can't. So it's so individual and you really can't go by anyone else. You can use it as a jumping off place, but it doesn't mean that you can't have all those foods. And I, I, you know, it upsets me when I see people who are so restricted um, because you don't necessarily have to be that restrictive and not eat everything on that list. Um, But also you're right. Once you're at a more stable place, once you do all the modalities and get yourself to a more stable place, and sometimes that's going to include medication and that is okay. It's okay if you use medication and that's another like hump. I feel like people need to get over. There's no shame in it. Um, But once you get there, sometimes you can eat things and you also have to kind of decide for yourself, is it worth it to eat that? That's why I always, you know, tell people, okay, so it's your birthday and your kids are making you a birthday cake. You know, you want to have a piece of that cake. Are you going to pay for it later? You might pay for it, but it's only one meal. And again, as long as it's not a life-threatening reaction, that's okay. It's okay to indulge a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My son made me a cake, actually. You just reminded me of <laughs> And he put blue um, food coloring in it, you know, which is like, yeah. but he'd made it for me. So there's no way I wasn't going to eat it. So I did have it, you know, I ate it and, you know, I got a migraine. But you think, oh, you know, like you say, it's manageable. I wasn't going to, you know, upset him and say no. But yeah, you can get away with little things, I think. But um, yeah. yeah. Um, so how do you, what have you found over the years that really works for your symptoms? You know, what's worked, what hasn't worked for you, not just nutrition wise, you know, in life in general, what, how do you live now? So being aware of my body, like you talk about the proprioception and I feel like you're like literally the only person who talks about it. And it's the most important thing. Because, you know, as I'm sitting here in this chair, now I'm realizing, you know what, my head keeps coming forward. I got to stop that. I got to move back. So constantly reassessing how my body is in the space around it. That's huge. Whether I'm walking outdoors, making sure that I'm pulling down to center and that my core is engaged because as my core engages, I can feel this relaxing and I'm not doing this Um, you know so constant reassessment is always on my mind so whether it's about my diet whether it's about my medication whether it's about my nutrition doesn't matter it's always constant reassessment where am I what am I doing right what am I doing wrong and how can I change it for you know the future yeah so I would say that it's reassessment always how am I sleeping Am I scrunching myself up into a ball when I'm sleeping? Because that's going to tighten this and loosen that. And that's not what we want. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said earlier, isn't it? It's kind of a full-time job in a, in a sense, yes. looking after ourselves. Um, you know, I was a bit naive, I think, when I first 
got my mast cell diagnosis and I thought, um, well, if I do all these things, I'll be cured and, and then I'll just get on with my life. And, and, but I've, so I've realized now, you know, three years later that it's not going to be cured, but I've got to manage this thing. And so, like you say, you know, do I, I'm starting to feel a bit funny. Have I eaten something? Have I not slept well? Whatever it is, but you've always got to have those things in your mind. I totally agree. Um, yeah. And a food and symptom diary. And again, I yeah. think food and symptom, but I would also add in there, you know, maybe putting in the weather, um, yeah. you know, weather. Yeah. So, you know, being aware of all the environment. So whether it's food, whether it's the weather, whether it's a new detergent, um, yeah. you know, anything, yeah. you know, writing all that stuff down and looking for patterns yes. is huge. Finding yeah. the patterns of things that are affecting you. Yeah. Yeah, really true. You know, these podcasts, just listening to you talk and, and listening to how everything, you see everything connected to everything else and how important the gut is to our brain and, you know, the, well, pain in general as well, I think, inflammation. Um, so many of our guests on these podcasts have talked about how the body is, it sounds a really silly thing to say, but everything is connected. You know, we're not individual muscles, we're not individual um, organs, where everything impacts everything else, whether it's your food, your breath, your movement, your fascia, your everything is related. And I think that's really, I think that would be a game changer if people started to look at not just EDS patients, all patients, as a whole being, not you've got a shoulder problem or a lung problem or everything impacts everything else I think that's such so interesting and and I always think food is the most important thing because you're putting something into your body so absolutely it's, it's going to have an impact you're putting it inside of you how yes. can it not impact you so you know I think nutrition is the most important um alongside and nutrition. I'd also like to point out about that and I feel like you know, especially in America, I don't know how it is in England, but here, you know, people sometimes almost get like obsessed with the fact that it's like every little thing you put in can make or break you. And what I always like to tell my patients is no, it's a long-term effort. What you ate today, like you said, having that cake, the one time that your son made you with the food diet, that's not going to make or break you. It's how you're doing over the course of a few yeah. days, over the course of a week. So that once you get to a, a, a diet modification place where you're feeling good, I always like to what we call liberalize the diet, meaning mm -hmm. let people have more of what they want to have in small amounts or once in a little while, because if we keep people too restricted and people feel that they're again with the black and the white as opposed to the shades of gray area, yes. you know, you're, you're gonna feel restricted and that's gonna cause you to veer. Now mm. we have greater um, like uh, uh, motivation, I would say to eat better because we feel better when we eat better and nothing motivates you more than feeling better. You know, yes. unlike let's say the general population that may not have any medical issues and just wants to eat healthier. Um, so we do have greater motivation there, but being restricted is still restricted. And I always feel so important for people to be able to enjoy life, to be able to, well, right, not right now, but, you know, in general, pre-pandemic, go out with friends and family and, you know, not feel left out of, you know, because eating is very social and yeah. we do need to be aware of that. So it's so important to, to like walk that line of like eating better for you so that you feel better, but also being able to enjoy life, mm. you know, within those parameters. Yeah. That's a really nice thing to say, you know, because sometimes living with a chronic illness, you do feel, I don't know, life can be difficult already, you know, and some people don't want to go out and they don't socialize and I just think that's so important not to feel that restriction that, you know, this is yeah. how it is and I can't change it. And I think it, it empowers you, doesn't it? To feel that you can, you can make these small changes, have a little bit of something that you enjoy. You don't want to take all the joy out of life. I think. Right. Right. So, and also being able to modify recipes. So let's say, you know, the cake, yeah. 
you know, we could have used like spirulina, which is a blue all natural dye, you know, that would have turned your cake blue and it still would have been festive looking, but it would have yeah. not had the artificial dye in it. So yeah. little things like that, that can be, you know, changed, you know, using zucchini, slicing it really thin and using that as a lasagna noodle if a person yeah. does not do well with wheat. You know, there are always ways that we can modify yeah. foods that you're getting you know, the joy of eating the recipes you always love, but making them a little healthier. Yeah, yeah, very you. nice, very nice. Um, so you obviously have a very busy life because you've got your business and you've got four children. How old are your children now? So are they still little? They're older. Um, so my oldest is 20 and then I have an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old. Okay, but still, still, even as they get older, they're... They don't get any less demanding, I don't think. I have. Yeah, they're all under <laughs> one roof yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah, so that's been that's been interesting. You know, the college kids having to have been moved back home, and obviously, you know, everyone's eating home. We're not going out, so yeah. uh, you know, yeah. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> so that's busy. You're very busy. A lot so, of meals. Yeah. So how do you manage now? How do you on a day, you know, to keep yourself fit and healthy? So like I said, I've come to realize in my old age that you do have to take care of yourself before the kid. So like, you know, my routine is not negotiable. I wake up, I have to do those exercises. Um, you know, I have to, so, you know, all the two kids that are actually going to real school in person, you know, I get them out the door, then it's my me time. Then I deal with, you know, okay, what has to get done in the household, you know, and then I have to juggle that amongst, you know, the appointments that I am doing from home, um, you know, uh, online. Yes. Um, and somehow, it, it, you know, it all gets done. But getting that exercise in is key, making sure that, you know, I have my meals planned out. And, you know, I kind of have worked out a way where it's like, okay, so I'm making, you know, this for myself. The kids are eating something very similar. It might be, you know, a little bit looser of a restriction for them. But, yeah. um, you know, so so just it's it's all about planning, you know, yeah. we, but we have to have the brain capacity to plan. And that's yes. where getting rid of that brain fog comes in. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, when you've got a routine, everything becomes a lot easier, doesn't it? And you stick to it. Mm -hmm. And getting... delegating too. delegating, yeah. you know these kids are able-bodied <laughs> they can unload a dishwasher they can do laundry they oh, can yes. make meals too so yeah. you know we've we've sort of found um you know everyone's kind of gotten into their area that they're good at you know the kids who are good at the dishwashing do the dishwashing kids who are helpful with the cooking help with the cooking yeah. um and then sometimes they surprise you my husband and i were out yesterday on an errand and you know, I said to my daughter, okay, I'll be home soon. We'll do lunch. And she's like, I made my 12 year old, I made noodles and I didn't burn the house down. And I'm oh. like, well, she could have asked first, but okay. <laughs> you know, oh. um, you know, not sure how comfortable I was with her doing that with me not being home, yeah. but yeah. you know, she did it. It worked. Yeah. Oh, that's great. No, but you're right. If you've got the brain fog, even thinking about how am I going to organize myself is such a such an effort isn't it but, yes yeah but but um if you can help people through diet and nutrition to get rid of that that's just amazing that's yeah really so exciting. I mean I could tell you that I was not able to work you know I didn't work because I knew I couldn't work and I actually um you know I actually started working in an assisted living facility um while I was working on my diet, like trial and error stuff, like right mm. around where I kind of like worked out what worked for me. And um, I remember distinctly. So in assisted living facilities, you're looking a lot at patients and their weight losses and you have to do percentage calculations. So, okay, yeah. the patient weighed, you know, a hundred pounds last month and now they weigh 90 pounds. What percentage is that? You know, how much did they lose? And you'd have to remember those numbers. So I would do the calculation, remember it, but I would forget it. I couldn't remember the calculations and I have yeah. to go back and do them again. And yeah. all of a sudden, like a month into me, um, you know, um, kind of experimenting with my diet, all of a sudden I was remembering the numbers and I was like, ah, oh, this is interesting. Huh. Amazing. And that was like my aha moment. Like this is working. I can remember my calculations. Um, cause you have to do like one month, three month and six month calculations and then write them down, you know, but yeah. then go back and look at the amount. 
So it was amazing that I was, you know, all of a sudden able to recall everything. Wow. Whereas prior to that, I had difficulty. And I had yeah. been to a, a neurologist, a neuroendocrinologist, actually. Yes. And this was before I started changing my diet. Um, and he had told me, and I have never said this out loud to anyone, but he told me I had like the brain capacity of a 60 year old. And I was like, you know, 39. Wow. Yeah. Um, that was not easy to hear. No, my goodness. Be interesting if you went back and saw him now, actually. Yeah. To have that yeah, measured again. Wow. I should do it. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure there are many listeners who are, who are interested in learning more about nutrition. What, what advice would you give them right now? What, you know, what's the first step um, for them if they're interested? Um, in so... I think with our population, of course, it's it's so hard when there's so much information out there on mm. the internet and to know what is based on science, what is not based on science and um, who to listen to. Yeah. And I think, and I've been burned as well with things, you know, you, you hear about something and you're like, oh, I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna buy all this stuff. And I'm gonna yeah. try it and do it. And, you know, <sighs> you know, you do have to somehow go through, I guess, sometimes that trial and error. Um, but, you know, I guess my advice would be, who's saying it? What are their credentials? Um, make sure you're getting that information from a credentialed person. The other important thing to realize is, and again, even though I'm talking about myself and, you know, being able to, you know, find a diet that worked for me, I am what we call in the science world, N equals one. I'm one person. Just because it worked for me does mm. not mean it's going to work for everybody. And that goes with everything. You know, so someone will say, oh, I did X, Y, Z and I lost a hundred pounds. Therefore, this method works for everybody. Well, that's not always true. And that's why it does have to be individualized. If one person is saying something worked for them, I'm yeah. like, that's thrilling and great for them. But that doesn't always mean it's going to work for everyone because everyone's going to be different. You might just have EDS. You might have EDS and hypothyroidism and rheumatoid arthritis. Like, you know, so those factors are all, you know, going yeah. to affect things. The mast cell, the SIBO, all yeah. that stuff has to be taken into account. So yes. I struggle with giving like a general recommendation really because of that, because everyone yeah. is an individual. Um, yeah. But, you know, going with a licensed person who is knowledgeable about nutrition is, you know, definitely the way to go over, you know, reading or, or taking advice online that may not be backed yeah. up by yeah. science. Yeah. Yeah, and always check with your physician because there are drug and nutrient interactions. And if you're taking drugs, those are things that you really absolutely need to be yes. aware of. Even with vitamins and minerals, um, you know, or any kind of an herbal supplement, you know, just because they're herbal essential oils, they can be dangerous. They absolutely yes. can. Um, yeah. And I think natural, like we often try to, we, we often assume that natural means, you know, it can't be harmful. Yeah. That's not necessarily true. Yeah, very good point. Thank you. You know, I think what's come out of this discussion is very much about how individual everything has to be for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Um, there is no one size fits all, I think, for, for anything. Um, and that's the most infuriating part of it. <laughs> it really yeah. is. Yeah, I know. I wish there was a magic formula that we could just, you know, wipe across everyone, but it just doesn't work like that. You know, I see so many people every week in my in my clinics and every single person is different. Every single person have, I have a different conversation with and I'm sure it's the same with you. Um, there's just not, oh, this is EDS, we'll do it this way. It just doesn't work like that. Um, unfortunately, no, yeah. Unfortunately not. So, wow, this has been really interesting. And um, how can people find out more about what you do if they want to chat with you more? What, how, what's your contact info? Where can we learn more about you? Um, so my website is www.nasarnutrition. It's N-A-S-A-R nutrition.com. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I'm not that much of a poster though. <laughs> <laughs> um, on Instagram, I think I'm chronic pain dot nutritionist okay. um 
And, um, you know, I, I have some information on there right now. Really, my goal is to get that EDS nutrition course up and running. So that's right. really, you know, what I've been working on. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping to get that out in the next few months because I think it's so important. And again, there's yeah. people out there that cannot do the one-on-one and yeah. I, I want there to be resources out there for them. That's great. That's a really valuable, um, resource. Um, but if, and if people did want one-on-one with you, they can look at your website and contact you through the website to make an appointment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they'll, you'll do a full consultation with them and. Yeah. So I have, you know, the first consultation is, uh, complimentary and, you know, cause I also want to make sure that I can help you, um, you know, the patient, because sometimes I find, you know, sometimes you do actually need to see a doctor and get things a little under control before I can help you. It really does depend on what's going on. Sometimes I will recommend, um, you know, seeing specific specialists before we deal with nutrition. I'm very realistic. I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste your money, but also, you know, having gone through it myself, having gone through the mast cell stuff with my kids, like, I guess I just intuitively know more, um, you know, and I'm able to really guide people on, you know, I don't believe that nutrition is a cure-all. I think nutrition is a very important treatment modality. It is not a cure-all. So I always want people to start with the right treatment modalities that they need before they address the nutrition, if need be. Yeah, yeah, that's a very important point. Yeah, very good to know. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I mean, that was, I've learned lots here today. Um, and um, I just, where did I see that webinar that people might want to be interested in? Was that um, on website? So I, I think, it, it, I think there's I a link on your website. There is a link on my website under the media. I believe it was yeah, through um, right. the um, Chronic Pain Partners is who yes. I did that with. Yeah. Um, so you can always look on their website. I don't know. If, I don't, yeah. I'm not sure what their website is. It's on YouTube yeah. though also. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely found it on via your website in the media section. So if, if anyone's interested in looking uh, or listening to that webinar um, as well, um, that's a really good um, listen as well. Um, well, thank you so much for, for joining us today, Bonnie. That was really interesting. I'm sure you're going to get lots of um, interest from, from what you've said. It's so good to hear from someone. You know, it makes all the difference when someone's been through it and lived with it themselves. Um, Because I think it makes such a difference. You can really understand what people are going through. So um, thank you so much for your time. Um, And uh, yeah, if if anyone has any questions, um, you can leave us a comment in the box below. Um, And if you have a question for Bonnie, either contact her on her website or leave a comment and I'll make sure she gets the, the message. Um, but thank you to all our listeners to this uh, episode of Finding Your Range with me, Jeannie Dibon. And until next time, keep moving.